Hello and welcome to anyone who's decided to tune into this today. Welcome to The Love Down, a podcast run by Revolt Theatre Company, looking at what people love doing during lockdown and how they keep on loving during lockdown themselves, their friends, their family, anything and anyone. The aim of the podcast is to open new fields of discussion, to bring in new ideas and new perspectives on the world, the art, science, culture, and hopefully provide you all with something to keep you smiling during these difficult times. Today on episode one of The Love Down, you're going to hear an interview between my friend and I discussing the project that she's been working on during lockdown and how to cope with the good days and the bad days that we all suffer with. I'm virtually sitting down with one of my dear, dear friends, lovely Jess Negas. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Today I'm going to talk to her about this zine that she's created during lockdown and lots of other stuff and probably just ramble, but hopefully you guys will enjoy it. So thank you so much for sitting down with me. How are you doing, first of all? Today's a good day, Tubby. Today's a good um, day. Sorry, yeah, like everyone else, it's, yeah, it's been up and down. And some days I wake up with very good intentions, which slowly slide away um, due to no structure. I've been furloughed from my bar job, which has, I'm, you know, I'm very lucky to have been furloughed. It really does like throw a spanner in the works when you have nothing to hang your day around. It's really blow my mind actually how more time makes you less productive, or yeah. me anyway. Yeah, totally. So we've got. I think you, we've got all this time to do all this stuff and watch all these movies and kind of like holiday time. But because you're not working, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a holiday, right? Because we don't. Yeah. Get that balance of rewarding ourselves. Exactly. You don't feel like you can deserve. Like you don't feel like you deserve it. I need to like. I need to do like jobs or something which I don't consider leisure yeah before I then feel like I deserve to do something I enjoy which really shouldn't be the case it's just something that I've built up in my own my own mind what is your favorite question to be asked oh I love being asked about um probably you know like I like talking about my myself and my personal vulnerabilities I guess because that's something that I used to be well I spent uni being quite antisocial by my standards which was came as a shock to me as a teenager I was I, I, I really didn't care very much about how I came across I was quite secure in my own identity and mm. then I went to uni and it just through me and having that contrast between like my pre-university self and also my post-university self and then this little section in the middle where I really withdrew so I really enjoy talking about that that contrast those different versions of ourself and being aware of those versions because I find it really really empowering and everybody goes through it everybody has those moments where they don't feel like their full self or their true self and people are always really quite surprised when I say I didn't feel like I was good enough in social situations at university I didn't feel like I brought anything to a room or Mm. I you know everybody's always really surprised because I don't think I ever showed that yeah overtly do you think university culture and the way it's kind of portrayed in the media is kind of contributes to the idea that uni students are always kind of happy they're always going out getting drunk going to parties when actually quite a lot of the time there's a lot of mental health issues I think they're going on do you think that contributes to it 
for sure, because you're told you know, university's the best time of your life. I was also told by my school I did the international baccalaureate, and mm. it's like it's quite full on. Like yeah. you have to do more subjects, but like arguably less intense intensely. So I was told by my teachers that uni would be a doddle, like academically, and also that it would be the best time of my life socially. I didn't find either of those things to be true. So it did kind of throw my reality a bit off kilter because what I thought was, you know, doing uni correctly wasn't happening. <laughs> I didn't really know why. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? And also social media, obviously everybody seems to be doing things all the time. Yeah. So when you don't feel 100%, it's just self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't put yourself into those situations. And then you convince yourself you don't, you can't do the things everybody else is doing because you haven't been. So I would say that's definitely that's definitely the case. And I think it would be useful if university didn't get. It's also not essential. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be seen as an essential step. It's a step in your life. And also post university has a similar a similar effect. I think because yeah. you think, oh, you're outside of university. I know you're Tabby. You're also in a like you've got the same timeline as me so post-university you kind of think right real life now (laughs) yes switch real life on (laughs) Uh, uni life has been (laughs) you know close and then and then oh wait I'm still the same person life oh why is life suddenly life I'm doing bunny ears here as in quotation marks (laughs) why isn't life (laughs) doing its thing and then you realise life's been happening the whole time. And, yeah. So I think uni should be just for you to life in a different context, life I'm, in a different environment. Yeah, absolutely. I remember looking at, like, 15-year-old me, and I, 15-year-old me thought 22-year-old me would have all my shit together. How wrong was I? That's yeah, not, I that's not happened. Like, how bad is that? <laughs> that's really funny. Sorry. <laughs> Well, in um, do you remember dancing to Dancing Queen yeah. and being like, young and sweet, only seventeen? You're like, and then being like, oh, seventeen seems so old. <laughs> I know, seventeen seems so old, and then now you're like, oh god. So Jess has made this incredible zine during lockdown that I've had the absolute honour to write a piece for. So, start with, can you tell me? what inspired you to make it and then for anyone who's listening what it's about what it's showcasing so really inspired what inspired me to make it was needing like I said about needing this I didn't have that structure anymore I needed something that would not only give me a, a project with some jobs to do like some kind of structure to it I know that it needs content I know that it needs artwork and I need to learn some new skills to do it so it gave me a little bit of structure but also it was about I felt really quite isolated um, isolating with my parents and uh, I don't know brothers and sisters so I was missing younger people actually so to be able to tap into my friends most creative parts was just such a privilege and the project gave me a really good excuse to do that I love reading poetry by my friends and stories or seeing artwork they create social media is a really good way to do to do that and I really admire when people just share something that's really unfinished it's just here I am creating something that might be a little bit unfinished or rough the edges but really love that insight so 
to be able to have an excuse to ask to see friends work but also to commission encourage my really talented friends to do that creative work was a really big incentive so yeah it's a mixture it was about yeah connecting with my friends as well as as creating structure for my own self so what are your long-term goals if long-term. you have any of those for it? So it was initially created as to be just for during lockdown. Yep. But I would really be open to extending it because what I've learned as part, like doing this project and also kind of tapping into other hobbies that have kind of existed simmering in the background over my life. And I've kind of, or even new ones, but mm. what I've really discovered is how happy that makes me to have these different things going on simultaneously if it was something that I could continue post lockdown that would be brilliant but I'm also very aware the reason it was so perfect for this time was that so many artists so many creative people and and people who wouldn't even consider themselves creative but were creating had spare time they were all struggling or not all of them but some of them like me were looking for things to fill the time with and feel proud of. It was a perfect time to uh, create an opportunity for people to collaborate over something. We'll see. It's very open-ended. The whole thing's been quite fluid. And the last thing I wanted it to be is something people, the ways on somebody's mind. A lot of the people who I've asked do design as their job Mm -hmm. or are illustrators. I didn't want to get in the way of of their actual jobs. I'm very privileged to have any of their work in the zine at all it was important to me to make it a fun thing that people used create for in spare time and art i think is such a way to you know engage with other people of all walks of life can you walk us through your process so from receiving a single submission to kind of when you post the actual zine online how does that process work for you how do you compile it all together edit it so i think the initial thing the the initial step is not the receiving of the piece but more me racking my brains to see who has interesting opinions or writing talent or any anything that has drawn me or just like i know them as a friend and i know they have interesting things to say i will approach them ask them whether they'd like to, to contribute and me and then we'll what i really love is the brainstorm at the beginning so asking you know i, I might have an idea in my head of what i'd like to be covered anyway and then say do you have any strong feelings around this subject and they might and then we kind of discuss an angle and then they'll take that away hmm. and then write a short story or a comment piece or an article and then from receiving that I might edit it a little bit with the person and make some some tweaks and then what I've what I didn't actually anticipate was how the article could be a catalyst for an artist to create work for it so you know we all anybody who creates knows that there's nothing more scary than endless possibilities and it really really helps to have a bit of restriction to have a piece that already has lots of elements to it and send that to an artist and they can then you know but I mean Tabby you wrote some beautiful poetry for this edition that's coming up soon and one of my friends who's a designer and an artist has drawn you don't know this actually but exciting times (laughs) for your pieces and she that's completely her interpretation of your work so I really enjoy that aspect of the process because there's that conversation between two of, of the contributors that I haven't even had any part in. And I really enjoy that. And then I'm, be, I'm using, I've been learning, so I'm not a techie person. Me and Tubby had some 
um, issues with me trying to even start you did. technical <laughs> issues for this voice recording i'm definitely not a techie person i'm trying to learn some publishing software you know upskill therefore we should do yeah true um, which i detest <laughs> we shouldn't have to upskill in the pandemic but you know inevitably we will be asked yeah. so yeah and then i kind of create the work on on this publishing software i avoid any tech whiz bottery as, as much as possible and do a lot of collaging outside of the computer i, I mean, mean every, anybody listening will hate my process so i just take a photo of the I don't think I'm meant to do that. I think I'm meant to like scan it in. I just expand this photo. It's probably looking, it'll probably look awful if I actually ever printed it out, but oh well. Well, it's if very you rough. check out online, guys, she does a brilliant job. <laughs> but I do that. I love the fact that it's so funny because you said it and I was like, I'm going to say this point, but you got in there first. The conversation between these two art forms or multiple art forms is what I love, right? That artists can interpret people's work and create their own thing from it. And I think it's funny that you said restriction, because I think a lot of the time artists think, oh, I need to be free and creative and visionary, but actually sometimes having kind of an angle is very helpful because of what you just said, this mm -hmm. kind of limitless sort of chaos, abyss of possibilities. So what do you think about the effect that lockdown has had on those who work in the arts specifically? And I know you work at the bar, but you work at the RSC, you work in the arts mm -hmm. industry. What do you think about it? Interestingly, there's a an article that, one of my friends, Grace, has written this for, for the next issue about how theatres have been uh, streaming their, some of their back catalogue online. I'm sure she won't mind me quoting her a bit on this, but she makes the interesting point that it could have been a really essential time, a really useful time for theatres to expand their audiences once they reopen. So people who don't usually go to the theatre for financial reasons or geographical reasons, so they don't have read, like they don't have easy access to a theatre, might then be able to watch something online from their home for free or, or less money. But unfortunately, she well, this is Grace's point, Grace makes the point that mostly people who are watching these streamed performances are regular theatre goers. So unfortunately, I don't think there's been the expansion of audiences that there could have been in lockdown. But then that's one side to how this lockdown has, has faced like theatre in particular. But obviously there's that there's, there's a financial implication of allowing for theatre productions to go online. I know the National Theatre have been asking for donations. I watched the performance of Frankenstein last week. It made me really wish I was there though. There is something lost inevitably mm. in watching theatre on a screen and you can't get around that unfortunately. I, I would hope that lockdown would make people more hungry for live entertainment and I really hope that it will bounce back but obviously what's been all over my Facebook timeline being shared by people who are concerned that the Vogue is facing potential permanent closure and that's heartbreaking it's a real part of our heritage it's a real cultural importance to this country and the world so for some huge historical theatrical landmark to be threatened doesn't seem right I think reflects 
how the arts is often not valued enough, especially economic impact. Artists, we all know artists aren't paid enough, theatres aren't funded enough, etc. There really should be more balance between what the arts brings into this country and how much we support the arts. And I think that's going to be even more necessary after lockdown. People are going to have to reach into their pockets more if they want culture and art to be a part of our everyday life as it has been. Artists can't supplement the cost anymore. I think it's funny, I saw an article that got shared about how football is lauded over the arts and people are sharing, Mm. we need to get back into the stadium. And there was a comment on the post it was shared by my theatre friend but the guy who commented on it said why can't we have both football and the arts and I said I don't think that's the point it's not you know kind of shitting on football what it's saying is football and sport is lauded as this kind of point of, of interest and entertainment and culture that brings in so much but actually just because of everything you've just said the globe brings in so much tourism theatre brings up the RSC mm-hmm. which we both worked at brings in so much tourism film arts and I have a real problem when people say, you know, our art is kind of inferior or even at university, people would say, you know, the arts are and the humanities are worse than the sciences or you're less intelligent if you study those. Mm. And I always say to people like that, OK, go a day without listening to music or watching Netflix. And I think you're completely right. People are going to have to pay more for that as we kind of come out of this whenever we come out of this period. Going a little bit more personal, honestly, and be only be as honest as you want. How is lockdown affected you how has it been going for you I know you say good days and bad days it's incredibly up and down as I said but it really forces you to look inwards I think so I'm a strong believer that our friendships and relationships make up the kind of people we are and reflect back on us the kind of person we are if you're spending a lot of time by yourself you can't throw out ideas opinions you can't be a full version of yourself we're really we're social creatures but I'm lucky I've got as I said I'm I'm in lockdown with my parents so I do have people to speak to but the variety is so important sometimes there's too much variety definitely we are bombarded with social media actually that's another thing my phone oh my goodness I spent so much time on my phone it's something I wasn't aware of until it was kind of too late <laughs> and I was I've been very much addicted to my phone I'll put it upstairs as in to train myself put it upstairs but like, I'm just gonna spend a day without my phone I absolutely can't do I, I somehow convince myself this is this is an addiction this is an addict's mentality I convince myself that I need to look at my phone to for example see if anybody is messaging me about the, the scene yeah. Like, I'm like, I need to do, I need, obviously it's work, it's part of this task that I've set myself. And so before I know it, I'm back on scrolling through nothing, really. I think I've been searching what I miss in my interpersonal relationships through my phone, which has been giving me exactly the opposite of what I require emotionally. I think, so I switched to an iPhone recently and it tells you how much screen time you've been on and it's the biggest wake up call every Monday. I'm going to be very honest here. My most recent one was like six hours a day. And I was thinking, what have I been doing for six hours a day on my phone? You kind of don't notice it. I haven't realised how much I've been on it. So I think that kind of training yourself is a good thing. But you do, don't you? You convince yourself, I need to do this because it's work. And then after a while, it just completely subverts the actual conscious decision to pick it up. And obviously you you go for the memory of checking something. It's like a security blanket, isn't it? But I I also always think that it helps us to avoid being by ourselves or doing something completely for ourselves. 
I like yoga. Mm-hmm. I know you do tabby. Or reading or something that doesn't require somebody else, something or just sitting with yourself for a bit. It phones allow you to not do that. That kind of segues into my that. next question actually. What when you're not when we're not using the security blanket of our phones, what personal goals have you been working on for yourself and kind of learning to love yourself? Hobbies have been a big part of this lockdown. I at school I always built my identity around academic things mm-hmm. it was a security thing so like a security structure and school definitely facilitates this by boiling down young people into your grades or your your academic performance I was quite good at school so I was like great winning at life year seven I would this is mocks mock year seven exams I had a little alarm clock near me and I would time myself doing my revision I was obsessed with being a perfect student because I think I thought this was what would make me a successful person and this carried on until university where it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be shock and then post-university I've really been paying attention to all the other things that make up me as a person which are actually far more interesting than what grade I get it's really exciting actually to have that time to explore other things that might bring a little bit of fulfillment to my life and what a privilege how do you cope on the good days in lockdown and how do you cope on the bad days what helps so the good days I make the most of it and I'm very aware that I'm having a good day but today's a good day I bake cake it's actually my, so this is a lovely thing. One of my friends, Claire, sent me a message last week saying, look on your doorstep. And I looked on my doorstep. She had a few little slices of cake and a little card. I like to do collages. Me and Claire used to do that together. And she'd cut me out some bits and pieces to collage with. It's made my, made my day. And it was delicious, the cake. It's a, so I've made it so I can eat more of it. It's a courgette and lemon drizzle cake with pistachios. That took me, it took me a long time to convince myself that that was okay for me to do that. I thought, I wake up and because, like we were saying, it feels like a bit of a holiday. I always think I should be researching potential jobs to apply for or, you know, upskilling or doing, like editing the zine a bit or why couldn't I just let myself bake a cake? And when I was doing it, I was like, I feel so much, you know, I feel productive. I feel Mm. fulfilled. I'm making the most of my day, making the most, that's such a overused, that's something I've overused mm. throughout lockdowns, how do you make the most of this time, it can be a little bit toxic, can't it, to feel the pressure to always make the most of the day, but yeah, so, so today was a good day, because I let myself do that, I felt better for it, and the more you do, the more I think you fit in, weirdly, so the more I've allowed myself to embrace hobbies the more I've been able to do things that I don't consider hobbies you can get momentum going you listen to yourself and what you need right then is not to be sat at a desk upskilling or researching what you need is to do something with your hands like making a cake or drawing or gardening or whatever if you actually listen to that impulse and you know honor it you'll get what you feel like you should be doing done later that day it's like it will happen rather than sitting on my bum and feeling you know beating myself up mentally that I haven't that I can't get going on something that I've set myself to do that's a waste of time like it is a waste of time you know, shame is a waste of time right. absolutely shame is a waste of time 
uh, feed your soul. So when when you have the days where it does get really bad, how mm. do you get through that? I've been practicing being okay with the fact I'm having a bad day. I had a bad day on Sunday for no other reason than my laptop is extremely slow and I woke up feeling really motivated which doesn't happen every day obviously there's very little to motivate people at the moment so I had I woke feeling quite motivated that day and technology let me down so I I had the same thing I just explained which is that I was sat beating myself up that I couldn't get on with what I had told myself that I'd get on with that day and if I hadn't told myself that I was going to get on with that particular task that day it would have been a good day it would have been fine would have done something else but because I was kind of enslaved to this schedule that nobody was enforced but myself I I kind of confined myself to sitting and feeling very down about it and and actually increasingly angry I didn't go out and in my head I knew that if I step out of the house I feel immediately better but something there was something masochistic about not doing that and that and the only way I could get around that bad day was just knowing the next day would be better and true isn't it every i think some some days you've also got to kind of be at peace that it's not going your way and that mm. i find it in yoga there are some days where i'll be able to do all of the crazy balancing poses and then days when i just can't do it and you think i'm getting worse or whatever but every day is just different and sometimes you yeah. kind of want to make your peace with that but i love that so this actually you kind of talked about it earlier which is really lovely you've been like preempting everything that i'm going to ask you which is quite cool <laughs> so you said your friend she brought you cake and she brought you that card and the thing it's a collage with have you experienced a random act of kindness that's been given to you by a friend that's really moved you aside from that really lovely one i love how we're checking in more it's so easy to think that when we're out of lockdown we're not going to need that or, or people won't feel compelled to do that as much because you'll assume that everybody's getting on with their regular lives but it's important to remember that people's regular lives sometimes don't differ that much from lockdown <laughs> we still need interaction that care the run maps of kindness i've experienced have just been somebody messaging you out the blue that's where the phone is actually really really important in lockdown if you you know don't compulsively check it like I do like probably lots of people do but use it as a way to reach out to your friends it can really make someone's day FaceTime just chatting through laughing at your that's how I've coped with it is being like oh I've been in such a awful mood all day I'm so stroppy I've regressed back to being a teenager And being able to laugh about that with friends and that and then to be kind and relate is hugely beneficial. Then that random act from Claire, I was overwhelmed. It was so lovely. And I kept gushing about it. And I think I quite embarrassed her. <laughs> I guess I'm doing a just being like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. She doesn't live close to me. She doesn't live she lives like half an hour away. It was just so, so kind. She was blown away because I was so blown away. She was kinda of like, Oh, I just baked, big deal. <laughs> I baked and wrote you a card. No, it shouldn't be such a big deal. And we can do these things so easily, whether we're in lockdown or not. I really think it's something that should continue. I agree. I think, you know, obviously this pandemic has been awful. I've been personally affected by it. I know how awful it is. But there's kind of this sense that there's there's maybe some really beautiful things that are going to come out of it. And the idea that we go back to really connecting with people. And what I've noticed, I don't know if this is true for anyone listening, is the thing that 
people are longing for the most is human connection. Above mm-hmm. you know, going back to work and all of that, people just want to talk to their friends. And it was really interesting when Boris Johnson did his most recent view and he didn't mention anything in his speech about social restrictions about seeing your friends, but went straight with the economy. And the response to that of kind of people going, I don't care about going back to work. I just want to see my mum or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I think that hunger for just seeing people you love is so true. So final question, because mm-hmm. I know you have a very busy day. How have you been loving during lockdown? Loving yourself, others, anything, anyone, whatever it is. How have you been doing that? I love that. I love how loving is not a not necessarily a feeling, but a it is a feeling, but also a conscious act. I think that love is so complicated in a romantic way that people think it's something can easily be thought of as something that happens to you rather than you take an active role in. Loving someone is not just a spontaneous rush of emotion. It's really in the small acts of asking somebody if they're asking somebody if they've had a good day or how they're coping in lockdown. I've been really moved by your mum's sharing about how she's been coping with with your dad and the outpouring of love that's come from that has really inspired me. Oh, how have I been loving? It's such a such a good question. You know, it's we've been so limited that all I can think about is digital loving, which is not to be sniffed but it feels somehow inadequate to how I'd like to love people which is if somebody's having a low day lots of people I know who already have underlying mental illness they struggle with that's been kind of recurring on a new level since lockdown and usually I wouldn't be like hello uh do you want to have a long conversation about (laughs) your mental health you just hug them and I find that really difficult to remedy that the impossibility of hugging a friend I guess I've been trying to supplement that lap with oh I know sending music sending gifts lame but gifts and names words great recipes and just things that aren't conversation sometimes conversation is tiring and you feel like if you don't say you know if you can't keep up the conversation for a long amount of time there must be something wrong that's not the case like you you shouldn't have to you know vocally demonstrate your love for somebody all the time so I think finding that yeah that supplement for the lack of physical contact has been an interesting challenge definitely and hugs I think are going to be a plenty once this is over oh yeah multiple people I just want to please thank you so much for sitting down with me and for being my first guest I always knew that I wanted it to be you really because I there was just kind of so much I wanted to talk to you about if you're interested in Jess's zine, I'm going to put all of the information on there. And if you're interested in contributing to her zine, then I will put all of her contact details on there. Do you have, to kind of sign off, any final piece of advice maybe to anybody who's struggling during lockdown? I think separate your thoughts from yourself or try to. You need to be your own mum sometimes and recognise when you need to get out the house and when you don't, <laughs> when sitting on your bum and feeling feeling stroppy is maybe not the best thing. So force yourself to do things that you know make you feel better thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the lockdown we hope you enjoyed it we do apologize for the tinny audio recording we were having some technical issues that have been resolved for the second episode but thank you for bearing with us if you enjoyed this episode and are interested or want to get involved with us more 
all of our contact details and any contact details to get involved with Jess's zine will be listed on our social media post sharing the podcast link. You can find us at at Revolt Theatre on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We hope that you'll tune in next Thursday at 10am for the second instalment of The Love Down and every following Thursday to come. Thank you again for listening and stay safe.